everybody and welcome to the Growing Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast where this week we talk about a brand new season of Common San Diego. I read a bunch of scary campfire stories. We talk about a show everybody's already seen and Baldur's Gate 3. That's right, this week we talk about Carmen San Diego Season 3, now available on Netflix. I thought it was very good and topical, given the uh, time we are currently in, these spooky, spooky times. Um, I read something like a dozen ghost stories, trying to find a good one. And there is a good one in there. There is a good one in there. Um, so get excited for those. I was, I was really happy with how that all turned up. Uh, we talk about Baldur's Gate 3 which is excellent, and I watched all of season one of Westworld in like a weekend, and I talk about that a little bit. No spoilers for uh, for that season. Um, I know everybody's already seen it, but um, it wasn't spoiled for me, so I didn't want it to get it spoiled for, for anybody else out there. Um, I hope you're all having a very good week. Um, I have a splitting headache right now. It's like the night before this podcast goes up. I just finished reading all of those fucking campfire stories, uh, so hopefully those are funny. Um, and you guys enjoy that. Uh, just letting you all know, um, I decided it at the, you'll hear it again at the end of the podcast, but next week will be Lovecraft. I've been promising Lovecraft for a while now, and I really want to dive into some, uh, some Lovecraftian horror, um, cause I'm tired of getting disappointed by, um, by these, these internet horror pieces, um, which will also be up on the website. I started reading, um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark as a fun bonus audiobook, um, and that will be up. By the time you guys hear this, that will that will already be up the first chunk, um, and if it if I can't finish it in October, then I will just kind of quietly finish it on the side and just drop the whole thing at once um, later on. But I'm hoping to to do a quick quick read of uh, at least the first volume of those stories because so far they are bad, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah, I hope you're all doing well. For the love of God, I know I don't like to get political on here but that's mostly because politics make people sad just please vote just vote 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 and let's get into the podcast one of my all-time favorite shows got a third season and has already been renewed for a fourth season and that's carmen san diego over there on netflix uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for a very long time, you'll know that uh, Carmen Sandiego once inspired me to do like a, a, a like a segment on the show that was always designed to um recreate the kind of like educational spiel that I love about Carmen Sandiego. Whenever they go to like a new place, they're always like, "Well, let's learn a little bit about Louisiana or Buenos Aires or Mexico or whatever the fuck place they're going to." Um, and I, I do very much enjoy that. And at the end of the day, it's also just a very entertaining spy, uh, kind of not really thriller, but it's, it's a globe trotting adventure where you, where you learn a little something and it's got really entertaining characters and it's got a plot that, um, that does have this wonderful kind of infiniteness to it because there, there could always be another artifact and there can always be new things like thieves to cat uh to conquer and stuff like that and indeed uh we do get that in this season it's also incredibly thematic to what i'm trying to do this month with the spooky stuff because the entire season three which is only five episodes all occur within like the same two week period surrounding halloween so it's the lead up to halloween the day of halloween and then the the days after halloween i think the, the last episode takes place on like november 5th um, and it actually focuses on different 
uh, holidays surrounding this period of time. You get Dia de los Muertos, you get uh, Guy Fawkes Day uh, in the UK, you get all these different um, cultural events that act as the, the kind of unifying factor throughout the entire season. It's this theme of masks and um, unveiling masks and the importance of masks and like identity and stuff like that is kind of the theme of the season. And it's really well done. It's only five episodes, which makes me sad because I, you know, I want more. Um, but that being said, it's very consumable because it's only five episodes and it's pretty good. Like each episode keeps the plot moving forward and there's, there's a lot of really good stuff. And there was some legitimately fun action sequences, especially in that first episode where it's the, it's the wrestling match. Like I was legitimately, um, kind of like excited to see that action because, um, coach Brunt is such a fucking powerhouse like she absolutely like annihilated Carmen Sandiego last season and it was it was rough like Carmen Sandiego almost died she got brutalized in that fucking confrontation so it's it's a very good third season there's one thing that's bothering me though I read somewhere that Rick Steves like the travel guy was supposed to be in the season as like a, a special guest um I could not find him uh and I feel like he has a fairly distinctive voice I, I thought I would have recognized it um, let me put it this way. He is not playing himself. There's no like, hi, I'm Rick Steves. That doesn't happen. So I'm guessing it's like a cameo spot somewhere in the season, but I could not find him. So, hey, if you find him, let me know. I'm going cast to gmail.com. But yeah, season three of Carmen Sandiego was, was very good. And I love that it was Halloween related. It just is fucking serendipitous in the extreme for me. I mean, I'm sure they planned this, but I, I thought that was a, that was a really nice call. And I was, a. Uh, I was behind it every step of the way. I've also watched um, the first two episodes of The Great British Baking Show while I'm talking about Netflix stuff. And um, my word, some of those people cannot bake. Um, I know they, they, like, they're decent enough to get on the show, but I, I, can't, I can't understand that struggle with caramel. I just, I don't get it. You put sugar and water in a pot and you let that fucking thing sit and it'll just do its, what it does. So that was confusing me. But some of those bakes were pretty impressive. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of some of those people. I don't know who's going to go all the way. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Mark with the beard and the, and the, and the short hair. I think, I think he's got some chops. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. I don't know. I don't like making predictions. But I do know that they're coming out with the season four of Carmen Sandiego. And I very much enjoyed the character development. Uh, that we got with with this season um not only with Carmen but like beyond uh Carmen with like a uh, agent uh, uh Arno Julie whatever her name is she's she's gone off and done some stuff and yeah no I thought it was I thought it was a really good season I wish it was longer that's that's the the only thing I can say bad about it is I wish it was longer and um throughout this week I'm attempting to get caught up on media that has long escaped me uh in terms of being caught up so just going to keep plowing ahead and watching things and playing things and doing all that stuff trying to get back on the back on the horse and in terms of that let's move on to the next thing in the podcast i know this is uh supposed to be a a happy-go-lucky podcast with with good news um and 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 whatnot but every now and then um something occurs that i have things to say about and uh recently um on on october 6th we got news that eddie van halen died and fuck (laughs) 
Um, I just got the news about two minutes ago, um, and I'm I'm still kind of processing it. Uh, fucking shit. So Van Halen is is uh is a is one of those bands that really epitomizes the kind of uh big hair metal uh that occurred in the in like the late 70s all throughout the 80s and van halen has definitely had uh a lot of rock and roll mystique about them uh, you know david lee roth and sammy hagar controversies uh just their evolution of a band over over their lifetime all of the, uh, the hotel rooms they trashed, like old school kind of rock and roll stories. And uh, Eddie, for all of his faults, he could play a fucking guitar. Uh, he He's one of the, he did not invent picking um, or tapping uh, rather as a, uh, as, a, as a methodology for playing the guitar. But you can't deny that he definitely helped popularize that method of guitar playing. Um, making such things as eruption possible from a technical level. Um, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen was incredibly talented and he inspired a whole generation of people to pick up the guitar with just how, how fast he could play. Um, in terms of like big hair guitarists, he's definitely one of the best, if not the best. Uh, and it's, it is certainly sad, uh, to lose anybody um, from like music and in, in my view, like when Dio died, I was devastated for fucking weeks. I'm still am. I miss Dio. That son of a bitch should have gone to the doctor, but yeah, just Eddie, Eddie was quite the instrumentalist and, uh, helped write some of the most popular songs of the 20th century. Um, and inspired a bunch of my favorite songs. Like like in uh, fifty one fifty, that that album has some of my all time favorite songs just flat out on there, like uh, dreams and why can't this be love? Um, it's just a fucking fantastic um, album. Summer nights, best of both worlds. <sighs> I love that album. That was eighty six. So yeah, um, Eddie Van Halen for all for all your faults, you could play a guitar really goddamn well and wrote a bunch of dope ass songs. So you know, rest in peace and all that. You're you're radical. Shit. So last time we tried to read some some good old fashioned classic horror air quotes horror uh, stories with the with the monkey's paw and Telltale Heart and the Raven. Admittedly suspenseful, and I'm sure if you're reading them in your head, you know, then then they might have been they might have been scary. As I try to take my boots off while I do this little spiel. Um, but I really want, I want something that, that genuinely spooks. I want something that, that gets at our cores this week. So I had a, I had an, I had a thought and we're about to execute on that thought. I was like, what about campfire stories? Like really good old school ghost stories, you know, stories designed to be told aloud with an audience, which is exactly what this is. So while I pour my cup of water here, stone cold sober, um, allow me to paint you this mental picture. Before we get into the first of these scary campfire stories brought to us by ultimatecampresource.com. <laughs> that's not a sponsor, but that's where I'm getting these. Anyway, so 
We're out in the woods. It's a fairly cold night. We all have polar fleece sweaters. We're all there. It could be two of us. It could be hundreds of us. But we're all there, crowded around this one campfire. And I'm sitting on a log tilted up on its side so it doesn't roll around. As I read you the first of these spook-ass stories. Ten holes. <clears throat> oh, this one's pretty short. Alright. Once in a little village not far from here, there was a problem. Animals had started dying off one by one. In the morning, their owners would see them lying outside with ten holes in their chest. People thought it was the work of the neighboring town. It says, insert name. So I'll say, neighboring town. Bothell. Sure. Then one night, a man by the name of Fred was closing his store for the night. It was very late, and he was anxious to get home to his family. He shut off all the lights and closed the door with a satisfying click. And he turned around to go to his car. He saw a dark shape in the distance. He stood still, trying to make out what it was. As he got closer, Fred turned to go. It was the last move he ever made. The next day, they found him with ten holes in his chest. This made the town quite worried. They were scared of more people getting killed. So one night, two brave brothers, John and Jacob, of the Jingleheimer Schmidt clan, went out to get rid of the problem once and for all. They took knives and walkie-talkies, said goodbye to their fathers, kissed their grandmother on the way out, and the rest of their family, they just told them to fuck off. I just hit my teeth with my mug. Ow. I wonder if that picked up. I hurt. Anyway. The two boys decided to split up because they wanted to die quickly. One would go by the site of the murder, and the other would wander the streets. If one was attacked, they could use their walkie-talkies to contact the other, so they set off keeping a close eye on the shadows. Nothing seemed to be happening. It was a calm night, and it seemed they would get home safely, but then John suddenly heard a crackling in the bushes beside him. He tried to call his brother, but it was too late. Figure leapt out of the bushes, tackled him, gouging his chest with its nails. Luckily, Jacob heard the commotion and rushed to help him. He leapt through the air and cut off the creature's right hand. The creature screamed and ran. Jacob took John to the hospital and they bandaged him home. The doctors called them heroes, and finally they got home at 6 that morning. Only their grandmother was up, so they said good morning and then went back to bed. Neither of them noticed she was missing her hand. Oh my god. There's the grandmother just attacking them randomly. I guess there are 10 holes because of her, her nails as she digs in the claws. That's the whole story. Much like, much like, um, the fucking, I'm also doing, um, one of the, one of the, uh, bonus things I'm doing for, for the site is scary stories to tell in the dark doing that. Um, which is a website exclusive. You can listen to the first part of it right now. Um, it's up there. It's on the, it's under the, the horror stories with everything else. Um, and those stories fucking sucked. Uh, at least this one was scary beyond what scary stories tell in the dark, uh, attempted to do. So, um, I'm just gonna keep going because these are these are pretty short. This one's a little longer. This one's a little longer. We're gonna we're gonna do one more. This one's ah, fucking <sighs> it's fucking doing scary stories and there are people thumping around in apartments around me. Fucking monsters. Anyway, this one's called A House of Terror. I'm not gonna read this one all spooky. I'm just gonna read it to me. Like to me, the car finally gave out. Thank God. Jeff hit the dashboard in frustration. It was bad enough that the car had to break down, but at night in the rain in the middle of God knows wherever he was. It was a fitting end to his bad week. The week he had um, had seen his wife leave him, taking the kids with her. He had been demoted at his job and was now forced to go back on the road as a salesman. Now this had to happen and things weren't getting any better anytime fucking soon. Jeff decided that he might as well try to find a way out of this mess. Considered waiting in his car for another car to come by and help him. The road wasn't often used though and that might take hours. So Jeff decided to first walk down the road to see if there were any other choices. 
After walking for half an hour in the pounding rain, Jeff finally came across an old house in the woods. Fucking solid, solid planning right here, Jeff. Now Jeff had seen enough horror movies to make him turn back, but the rain alone was enough to override his sense of fear and trepidation. Ah, damn it. At least they, they fucking acknowledged it, that this is a very obvious, like, no, you don't do this. But he had to. It was wet. He walked up the winding road to the door. The house looked to be very old and not kept up very well, and Jeff wondered if anyone even lived there anymore. He knocked on the door, and to his surprise, it was answered rather quickly. An older man, looking to be in his late 70s, asked him what he wanted. Jeff explained his situation and asked if the man had a phone or somewhere to help. The old man said he was wary of travelers, but decided that Jeff looked honest enough and let him use his phone. Jeff thanked him and asked his name. He said his name was Joseph Palmer and told Jeff the number of the nearest garage. Jeff made his way through to the phone, noticing the house looked about as old inside as it did outside, and was surprised that there was even a phone at the place. He called the garage, but they said there was nothing they could do until morning, and that they would meet him um, at noon um, by his car. Miss Palmer offered Jeff the guest room uh, to sleep in for the night. Jeff was a bit wary at spending the night in such a spooky old house, but decided, to, uh, but decided that the walk back in the rain and sleeping in the car couldn't be much safer than staying at the house. He accepted and was shown to his room. I disagree. I think staying in the car would have been a lot safer, but that's just me. The house was adorned with antique everything. Not a piece of furniture seemed to have been purchased in at least 60 years or more. Mr. Palmer showed him to the room and bidded him... Bidded? Bidded him goodnight? I guess? Bid him goodnight? Bade him goodnight? Bidded him? I don't know. I'm not sure. The man was nice, but the whole situation still left Jeff unnerved. He just tried to tell himself they had watched far too many horror movies as a child. Bedroom had a canopy bed, one old lamp, a single window, and a red carpet. The house was eerily quiet as Jeff laid himself down on the bed. Quiet. Except for a creak here and a thump there. By now, Jeff's imagination had him too paranoid to sleep. As he heard Miss Palmer outside his room, walking up and down the hallway outside. Up he went, and down he went. And then the footsteps stopped, right outside his room. Jeff waited, yet nothing happened. Half an hour passed. And yet he heard nothing except the beating outside of the rain, and the wind howling as the storm blew on. Finally, sleep slowly overcame Jeff, even with his nervousness heightened. Slowly, his eyes closed, though he thought he could almost hear something scratching at his door. Jeff woke. A storm had passed, and daylight was shining through his windowed curtains. Happy that all his nervousness was for nothing, Jeff got out of bed and checked his watch. He had slept until 11.20 and had to leave quickly before the people at the garage got to his car. Leaving in the room, he was greeted by Mr. Palmer. Mr. Palmer asked if he had slept well. Jeff replied that he had, though he had trouble falling asleep. Palmer laughed and asked if he was afraid of the old house at night in the middle of nowhere. Jeff admitted that maybe he was afraid, but he felt silly now. He thanked Palmer and said he had to leave quickly to get to his car. He turned to leave when suddenly something banged on his head and everything went quite dark. Of course it did. I mean, I would have ended the story right there because I'm a happy soul. Oh, also, I didn't proofread any of these. So if it's, like, actually horrific what we're about to experience, um, well, whoops. Anyway. When Jeff came to, he was tied to a chair in the basement. The place reeked of horrible smells. Mr. Palmer walked up to him with a large knife in his hands. Jeff screamed to try to free himself, but only tired himself out. He looked up in horror at Mr. Palmer and asked him why he was doing this and why now. Mr. Palmer answered that last night he would have been nervous, full of fear, and ready for an attack, um, any attack Mr. Palmer would do. No, it wasn't the right time. Everyone expects attacks at night. But during the morning, people were more relaxed and the fear is low, making them blind to any chance of harm. Just asked him again why he was doing this, what he was going to do. Said someone like the garage people would find out what happened. Mr. Palmer said that mishaps happened on highways at night. Mainly during storms, to hardly anyone thinks twice as to why he's gone. If anyone actually did start asking questions, Mr. Palmer said he had ways to discourage that kind of activity. As for why he was doing this, Palmer simply said that Jeff needed to not worry about that. In fact, he need not worry about anything anymore. Jeff looked into Mr. Palmer's eyes as he walked towards him. His eyes were completely black, and Jeff tried to scream. Ah, damn it, you know, you had a pretty good setup there. I don't think they capitalized that. 
um, as well they could have personally um, like I, I felt like it was established pretty well you had me going I like the idea of like you know you attack in the morning when when their their suspicions are at the lowest that was all pretty solid and then I don't know you just like you you spun really good in the air as you're diving towards the water and then you just fucking your belly flopped and you nope damn damn all right well I mean, they can't all be winners, but I've read a lot of scary stories lately, and I'd like one of them to actually legit spook me. They're spooking me during, but they're not spooking me after. It's the after spooks I'm after. I'll do one more, and then we'll move on to the next thing in the podcast. Army of the Dead. Laundress. Laundress? Oh, okay. I guess somebody that does laundry. A laundress, newly moved to Charleston following the Civil War, found herself awakened at the stroke of 12 each night by the rumble of heavy wheels passing on the street. But she lived on a dead-end street and had no explanation for the noise. Her husband would not allow her to look out the window when she heard the sounds, telling her to leave well enough alone. Finally, she asked the woman who washed the tub next to hers. The woman said, What are you hearing is the army of the dead? The Confederate soldiers who died in hospital without knowing that the war was over. Each night they rise from their graves and go to reinforce Lee in Virginia to strengthen the weakened southern forces. The next night, the laundress slipped out of bed to watch the army of the dead pass. She stood spellbound by the window as a gray fog rolled past. Within the fog, she could see the shapes of horses and hear the gruff human voices and the rumble of cannons being dragged through the street, followed by the sound of marching feet. Foot soldiers, horsemen, ambulances, wagons, and cannons passed before her eyes, all shrouded in gray. After what seemed like hours, she heard a far-off bugle blast and then silence. When the laundress came out of her day, she found one of her arms was paralyzed. She had never done a full day's watching since. That was terrible. I'm doing one more. That was... God damn it. I didn't proofread these. Like, the whole point is that we experience it full time together. But that was just... That was just bad. Alright, this one's pretty short, too. So if this one's also bad, I'm just giving it up as a bad job. Backseat Maniac. I think I actually know this story. Let's see if it's the one I think it is. There was a girl driving along I-70 on the way back to Colorado visiting her relatives in Illinois. It was about 1 in the morning and it started... Are you driving all night? Fucking pull over! It started raining and she realized she's almost out of gas. Well, this person has no... If it's 1, you should sleep. She sees a sign for gas... You're not making it from Illinois to Colorado in a night. No, you're not doing that. She sees a sign for a gas station three miles ahead and breathes a sigh of relief. When she gets there, she sees it's one of those old, run-down, family-owned gas stations. She's scared to stop, but she really has no other choice. She pulls in, an old man with a disfigured face comes running through the rain. He puts the pump in the tank and asks for a credit card. She hands it over at the top of the window and runs back inside. After a few seconds, he comes back out and tells the girl she'll have to come inside. Her card has been denied. Reluctantly, she walks in. The old man grabs her and tries to tell her something, but she hits him with a can of oil sitting on the counter. She runs back to her car and takes off with the old man screaming and flailing his arms at her. After driving for a few miles, she turns over the radio and starts to relax. She looks in the rearview mirror. She sees someone pop up out of the back seat, holding an axe above their head. It's the last thing she ever sees. Apparently, the old man at the gas station was trying to warn her. That's that's pretty close to the to the story I remember. The story I remember goes: um, you're you're driving home late one night, and there's a car behind you, and it's like flashing its brights, and it and it like starts ramming you in the back of the car, and so the driver gets really panicked and like pulls off out of the way. And then the, the driver of the car just, like, loses him. And then she, like, stops and, like, breathes that she got away from the maniac. And then, of course, the maniac's in the back seat and kills her. Um, so, pretty close. Pretty close. Um, but I actually like the, the car driving one better than the uh, than this one. Um, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Fucking Baldur's Gate 3, yo. Okay, so 
right? Hold on. Hold on. I know what you're saying, maybe. It's not out yet. You're right, it's not. But fucking early access is a thing. Um, and you, you get access to it but just buying it. And if you don't know about Baldur's Gate 3, is it still in early access? Yeah, it's still in early access. Um, on, on Steam right now. So you can get it. So, if you don't know what Baldur's Gate 3 is, or rather, if you don't know what Baldur's Gate is, Baldur's Gate is, uh, is an ancient franchise, uh, pulled right out of D&D lore. There's a lot of games that approach D&D lore, like Divinity Original Sin 2. That's pretty D&D. But Baldur's Gate 3, in particular, is D&D 5th ed as fuck. So, this game is made with Wizards of the Coast. It, it uses... The D and D races, the classes, the 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 spells—it's all accurate. It's all there. It's not like oh, here comes Mystic Mystic Flame or 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 you know or like fucking Lordly Fire. It's fucking Spiritual Flame. That's the name it is in the fucking tabletop game. That's the name it is in the game. It's D and D the video game, and I've I've wanted D and D the video game for a long time. And it's a pretty good story for a D&D game. It, it talks about Mind Flayers and the Gethanki uh, on the astral plane who have been enslaved by the Mind Flayers for, for fucking ever. And that's all I know about the plot. I've played it for, according to Steam, an hour and 20 minutes, um, which is which is pretty good. The game did crash on me, and I lost a lot of progress because I wasn't saving as often as I should have been. Um, which, you know, I mean, that's... It's early access, what do you want? Turns out if you alt-tab like nine times in a row, the game can't handle that and crashes. Um, so just keep an eye out for that. But graphically, um, the game will look amazing. There's a couple of sections where I'm like, oh, they just didn't texture that yet. Um, so it's still very much like they're working on it. It's very much a work in progress. Other bits like the character models and stuff are fucking fantastic. It doesn't have everything in terms of um, character creation in there just yet. Like it's got humans, elves, dwarves, uh, tieflings, Githyanki. Uh, half elf and um, I think that's it. I think I think that's it for uh, for race. I think drow is in there, and it's got some subclasses like high elves and wood elves are, are part of the elves. Um, so it's got some some options. Absolutely, uh, there are canonically in D and D like now there are fucking dozens of race and uh, at least how many classes are there? there's a lot of classes in the game right now. There's only six. It's it's the like you got fighter is in there, rangers in there, clerics in there, um, and then some others that I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but like no barbarian just yet. I don't think monk is in there. Bard is not in there. Um, you know those 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 classes. And I have a feeling that when this really gets going and is out and you can you can load up with your friends and play in the in fucking Faerun. It takes place in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, which is like D and D's like campaign setting, if if that makes sense. D and D has a lot of uh, of campaign guidebooks that take place in various locations, but by and large, the most most of the of the canonical adventures of the actual game Dungeons and Dragons, if you just play out of the books, take place in the Forgotten Realms. Um, so that is where, if you've ever played a D and D core book, chances are you played in a portion of the Forgotten Realms. And the game right now is is pretty fantastic. It's turn-based combat, just like D&D. 
Your initiative is rolled automatically for you based on your dexterity modifier, just like it is in D&D, except you roll it in D&D, guys, manually. Um, you've got your, your three basic things. You've got your action, your bonus action, and movement. Uh, you also have your reaction abilities. It's all listed out. It's all right there. It makes perfect sense. Um, it, it saves you time of having to flip through the book and be like, what else can I do for bonus action? It's got them all right there. It tells you, like, everybody has, like, this core group of little bonus actions you can do. And it'll highlight the ones you can use in this moment. And then it'll, like, you can't, if you can't use it, it's, like, grayed out. So it's, it's really fucking crystal clear what you can and can't do. And then you just gotta fucking do it in the D&D mindset. You gotta look at every room you're in, every environment, and then, like, slowly scan the entire room. Like, your character's got perception rolls, but then you as the player also gotta pay attention to be like, oh... I can open this drawer. Let's go open it. Oh, it's locked. Well, now it's time to roll a lock picking check. You don't have any lock picking tools. You got to go to town and buy those things. Like it, it fucking does the. It does it. It, it is what I, I wanted it to be, which is a fucking D and D video game, and it's really fucking cool. And I'm oh god, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see how this thing grows and um what it's gonna be like when we uh fucking see its final release um so act one the content for early access is defined i'm just reading this straight off of steam acts two and three are works in progress um it's difficult to predict when uh 1.0 will launch they want it to be in early access for at least a year but we'll see how it's how it goes it'll be ready when it's ready so it went into early access on october 6th it's probably going to be bouncing around for quite some time in in this state so, you know, don't, there's no worry about, like, missing out on this on this period. I don't think there's any bonuses or anything like that. But you get access to the game right now, and um, I think that's uh, I think it's a lot of fun. And I would, I would highly recommend it. I know a lot of great games are coming down the pipeline. We are inching ever closer to everybody's most anticipated game of the 21st century, which is Cyberpunk 2077. It's, it's on its way. It's right around the corner. We're all really excited about it. Lord knows I am. I cannot absolutely wait. It comes out in about five weeks, according to Steam. But if you're looking for, like, the exact opposite, you want cyberpunk and future shit? Red. If you want the D&D 5e experience in a fucking video game that you can play by yourself, Baldur's Gate 3, I'm telling you, it's fucking amazing. I know I've only played it for an hour and 20 minutes, and I know I got a little salty when I lost all of my progress. But pretty much after work today, I'm launching, I'm fucking booting that shit up. I'm going to get me a drink, and I'm just going to do it, and it's going to be fucking amazing. And I can't wait. So, yes. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Also, real quick, just tying, I, I know I said like next thing, I'm just going to attach this right at the end because it's video game related. And I wanted to mention it real quick. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but Fall Guys Season 2 has begun. Uh, there are like new maps and new costumes and all that stuff. So that's going to be really exciting to get to get my fucking mitts on uh, here in a little bit. But just wanted to just wanted to toss that out there in case you were a Fall Guys player. Fall Guys Season 2 is now out. You can, you can go play it. I'm not sponsored, but it's a fucking great game. And I'm excited for that new content because... I said it the second I started playing it. Like, what will keep this game alive and popular is people fucking dropping that fresh new content and them keeping the maps alive. And they've done exactly that. So, brand new maps, brand new everything. So, go check it out. Now it's the time for the next thing on the podcast.
All right, first round of stories. We're pretty weak. Pretty weak. We did 10 holes, House of Terror, Army of the Dead, and Backseat Maniac. Let's, let's see. Let's do another round. Let's do another round. I'm sure there's a winner in here somewhere. There's not that many of these, um, so I'm hoping that there's a winner in here somewhere. This one's pretty... Um, okay, this one's interesting. This one's called Blue Baby Bonnet. So once, there was a young woman who had a child, but couldn't afford to take care of it by herself. So she put a blue baby bonnet on its head and carried it for two miles from her house and left it in the woods. As she began to walk home, she heard blue baby bonnet one mile away. As she reaches home, she hears blue baby bonnet one mile away. As she sits in her living room and reads a book, she hears blue baby bonnet coming up the driveway. She runs upstairs and sits in her bed. She hears blue baby bonnet standing at your door. She hides under the bed and hears blue baby boo! The story is about suspense. The creepier the voice you use for all the senses and quotations, the more elaborate you make the story, the more you emphasize the woman's guilt and fear. The more carefully your campers are listening will make the story that much better, and the result when you scream boo will most likely be a scream or making people jump. Lots of fun for the storyteller. Okay, I'm glad we got through that one. Let's try this next one called Creek. Um, it appears to be a uh, in a similar theme. These fucking things. I know it's all about the interactivity, and I guess if I if I did it justice and I like, jump scared and booed you guys, then that'd be you know I'd probably get a, a scare out of somebody. But that's not what I'm after. That's not what I want. I don't think audiobook jump scares are really all that successful, because it's just it's cheap. You know, I could I could artificially insert it. You know, I could just sit here quietly for 15 seconds and then go and then scream, and then y'all are gonna be like, ah, that was scary. But I didn't earn that. It's scary because it's loud, not because, like, the situation itself is frightening. It's the same argument of why fucking people are afraid of clowns. I don't think people are actually afraid of clowns. I think people are afraid of terrifying images because clowns are constantly portrayed in terrifying ways. If it was Pennywise the plumber, people would be just as fucking scared of that piece of shit. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter that he's a clown. It matters that he's terrifying. That's what, that's what matters. You know? Or that guy in, um, fucking American Horror Story that's, like, missing his lower jaw. Whatever his name was. Chuckles. I think his name was Chuckles. But, like, I swear to God, if Chuckles was, like, a fucking lunch man, or, you know, or a bus driver, or literally any other profession, I think it's the fact that he's missing half of his fucking face more than he's a clown. Honestly. It's just, they're, they're in terrifying things. Like, I've seen things of, of lovely clowns. Like, Ronald McDonald. He's not terrifying. He's charming. And he raises money for charity and he makes burgers. He's a lovely man. <laughs> people, people are afraid of scary things and clowns are not scary things. They're just portrayed in terrifying ways. I Anything portrayed in the way of a clown would be scary. There, I've said it. Anyway, this, this story is now called Creek. Um, Creek. A sound faint, distant, but still heard. Crack. Something snapping or being trampled on. Man sits in his room reading. Oh shit, it's me. The room is silent except for the quietly burning fire. Creak. Just the house settling in, nothing more. Crack. Perhaps some small animals outdoors. Whoosh. Is that the wind? Man stands up and peeks out the window. A clear night is all he sees in the full moon. Brilliant, misspelled. In the sky, laughing at his nervousness, he returns to his book. Creak. The man now silently chuckles at the sound. Crack. How could he have been scared of some sounds? Whoosh. It must be breezy out tonight. Thump. Did that come when they the house? Man stares into the fire trying to calm his jangled nerves. Creak. Crack. Whoosh. Will the sounds never cease? Thump. 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 Closer, he thinks. The sounds are getting closer. Shuts the book and closes his eyes, and he thinks of something beyond besides his wild imagination. Creak. Thump. Crack. Thump. 
Whoosh. Thump. 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 A pause? Man moves quietly, slowly towards the door with a nervous gait. Thump. A step back. Thump. Yes, it's getting closer. Thump. He stares at the door, trying somehow to see through it. Thump. He reaches slowly for the doorknob, handshaking, no longer able to take not knowing. Creak. A loose floorboard near the door outside. Thump. He slowly opens the door. A scream. Silence. I, I, I feel like it went with the suspense. And I'm guessing, like, if I shrieked, you know, that would have done it. But again, it doesn't feel earned. <sighs> I need I need to talk to some horror experts. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe these things are scary. I don't, I don't know. Really, quite frankly. Like, I was scared while reading it. I was, like, I felt the suspense. I was curious where it was going. And then the payoff just went, and it just fucking, like, fucking farts out. And, ugh. This one's called Doggy Leg. Fucking whatever. It's two paragraphs. Ever since, misspelled. I made it one word. Julia was a little girl. When she got scared, she'd put her hand under her bed and her dog would lick her hand to comfort her. Fucking. Okay. Um, already, you can see where this one's going. Well, now Julia was 14 and her parents were going out. And would be going out until late that night. Julia didn't want to stay home alone, but her parents told her she was old enough to stay home alone and she'd be fine. Well, Julie's parents left at 8 p.m. and after an hour and um, after an hour and a half of watching TV, Julie went to bed. She was kind of scared. That was weird. It was a weird, like howl. Uh, sleeping with no one home, when she heard a whimpering sound, almost like a puppy whining. She put her hand under the bed and her hand got licked. So she tried to fall asleep again. Then she heard it again, the whimpering sound, and she put her hand under the bed and her hand got licked. Finally, uh, fell asleep and woke up in the morning to the sound of her dog barking in the backyard. He'd been outside all night long. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not bad. It didn't, it didn't over, overstay its welcome. Um, yeah. Oh, I don't like this one already. Jesus. Um, okay. This one's called Don't Turn On The Light. Fucking perfect. Once there were two girls who shared a college dorm together. Their names were Meg and Vanita. I'm, alright, hold on. That name is so unusual, I'm Googling it. What does Vanita mean in Spanish? Um, apparently nothing. I'm gonna click it anyway. Word hippo. Apparently means coming. No, it doesn't. Oh, but apparently it does. Interesting, okay. The girls were out partying one night. Meg noticed she'd forgot her purse and went back uh, quickly to her dorm. Without turning on the light, she walked in, grabbed the purse. Then she uh, returned to the party. Later on in the night, Vanita got tired. She left to uh, the dorm to go to sleep. Next morning, Meg went back to the dorm. Police officer were outside. Officer, what's um? Officer, what seems to be a problem? She asked. There's being a murder. Oh my God! Please let me see. No, it's a bit sloppy. She said. Um, said the officer. Please. Finally, the officer let Vanita go upstairs. Wait. Oh, Meg went back to the room. Okay. When she walked in the room, she saw her roommate covered with a clean white sheet. On the mirror, in big red letters, said, "Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light?" So that's pretty spooky. Wait a minute. But Meg is the one. That went back to the dorm to get her purse. And then Vanita got tired and she went back and got killed. No, wait. Hold on. Meg noticed she forgot her purse and went back to the dorm quickly. Without turning her light, she walked in and grabbed the purse. She returns to the party. Later on in the night, Vanita gets tired and she left to go to sleep. The next morning, Meg comes back. And they find Vanita upstairs. Oh, I guess. No, that does work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that works out. Sorry. 
Um, and it says, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? I mean, I guess the murderer is glad. But that kind of... <sighs> Damn it. I thought I was going to... I thought I had it. But I think I've, I'm overanalyzing it. Maybe I'm overanalyzing it because I'm scared. I don't know. Um, I guess I'm going to keep doing these in order. Um, oh, this one's... This one's got a bit of a... A bit of a thing going on. Oh, is this the fucking... This is the exact same... I just saw the ending. It's the same story as another one. I'm skipping that one. Okay. Ghost on the Track. This one's pretty short, too. The number 12B train was on its usual journey from Royston to Moncton. Okay. Taking workers to and from the coking factory. Okay. Um, oh, well, actually, to make coke for, like, a furnace. Yeah, okay. It could be a coking factory. Um, the day was supposed to be wet and gloomy, and the mist is said to have swept in from the east that cold autumn night. The moon was full, looking over Royston that night, but still wives and children waited patiently for the men to return home. Dot, 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 Safely. Train hurried along that night, leaving behind the company of the factory, um, and entered the bleak, lonely night. Train was nearing the tunnel, um, that night, but the driver saw an old man crossing the tracks, so he ordered the train to halt. It was too late, and the man was hit, and the driver wandered, um, to where the man's body was, until the old man appeared before him. And stated these words, Sleep safely this night, as it will be your last. Everyone who was on that train died mysteriously that night, and the tracks were closed. But now the superstition has passed, and the tracks will open again. Fucking. These stories suck. These are terrible. I really should have vetted these um, before I've wasted everybody's time. I'm enjoying it, though. I'm enjoying this, this kind of haphazard pile of bullshit as I'm reading these terrible stories. I'm going to skip right. This one's called Nightmare House. That's gotta be good, right? That's gotta be good. It's called Nightmare House. It's even kind of long. Okay, well, well, all right, this is the last shot. Last shot for this website. Make me proud. All right, Nightmare House. It was a dark and stormy night. Off to a bad start. Off to a bad start. Steve had just come in from having tied down anything that could possibly blow away in the wind outside. Cold seeping into his bones, he decided to go sit by the fireplace to warm up. He closed the door to the large living room of the large house he had just purchased. His wife and daughter were back at the old home, gathering up some of the last items to move to their new home. <sighs> Steve decided to stay the night by himself to get a feel for the new house. House was probably too large for such a small family, but Steve couldn't pass up a goodbye. Could pass up the goodbye he got on it. An old antique house, incredibly large, in a quiet, secluded area for such a small price. Steve couldn't believe how lucky he was. The television was one of the items the wife had brought, uh, was bringing the next day, so he decided to read a book to pass the time. He was sipping hot coffee while being warmed by the crackling fire. Steve couldn't help but uh, look forward to many more nights like this, all snug in front of a grand fireplace on the cold winter nights that would eventually come. He had just started to get into his book when he heard a tapping from the upper floor. Steve brushed it off quickly. Um, old houses like this always made noise like that in some movie, even though I'm sure it's um, had enough time to settle. He had to chuckle over his corny joke. Ah, he went back to his book, but the sound started again. It seemed to be moving across the upstairs room. Perhaps mice, he thought Steve. Really should look into that tomorrow morning. The wife will not be pleased to find mice in their home. Tomorrow, though. No use chasing mice in the dark. Then Steve heard what sounded like a door opening upstairs. The big room was starting to feel a bit less cozy. He tried to pass this off as his imagination running wild and tried to immerse himself in his book. It did no good because this time the sounds didn't go away. The tapping and the footsteps started to sound like they were coming down the stairs. Down the stairs that led to the living room's door. Thump. 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 Louder and louder as they went down. Steve had to put the book down and was staring at the door with great intensity. What if it was a robber, he thought, or worse. No, he mustn't let his imagination go wild. He stared at the great door and he heard the footsteps thumping, finally coming off the stairs. He tore the door. Thump, thump, thump. I don't think these people know how footsteps go. 
Uh, do you really thump, wait, thump, wait, thump, wait? I don't know. Maybe it's faster. Uh, I'll try that. He stared at the door, his fear increasing. Thump, thump, thump. The fireplace suddenly went out. Door handle started to turn. Stephen was too frightened to get up um, get up to stop it. Stuck in place by fear. Slowly it creaked open until it was finally completely open to Steve. A great blinding light filled the room from the door. A blood-curling scream arose from Steve. Linda pulled into the driveway, um, into the driveway in her truck. She was sure she had finally gotten every last thing and was ready to move into the new house. The daughter bounced out of the car and ran towards the house. Linda thought not for the first time the house was much too big for the three of them. But Steve was too much in love with it for her to change his mind. Steve, she had told him, um, she had told him not to spend the night in the house all alone, but he had insisted. She smiled to herself. The big goof was going, uh, probably going to tell her daughter all kinds of ghost stories he had made up last night. She ended up trying to soothe her in bed tonight. Her daughter bounded in the house. She followed closely behind. She called for Steve. No answer. Probably still asleep in that huge living room. Um, or can't hear us through the door. He loved the room most about this house. She told her daughter to check the living room for her father. Her daughter went off to do that. Linda started unpacking some food they had brought into the kitchen when she heard a scream from her daughter. She ran to the living room to see what was the matter. She looked in and screamed herself. Steve was sitting in his chair, book on the floor. His hair had turned stark white. His clothes were ripped. It looked like he had tried to claw his eyes out with all the claw marks on his face. He was dead, with a look of stark terror etched forever over his face. Linda retched and cried. What? What possibly could have done this to her husband? What? Then threw her sobs and her daughter screaming. She thought she heard a thumping sound upstairs. Now that was good. Only took me... How many fucking stories did I just read? That was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten stories. Only took ten fucking stories, including this one, to find a good one. But that was pretty good. It set it up. There was a payoff. There was the, the creeping. That, I think, is the key. Is the, uh... Is like that that it's like with with a lot of horror movies i've i've like seen or read about they they don't end on like a happy note there's always like that that creeping thing where like if the family defeats the spirit you know in, in their room or in their house right then like the next family moves in and then something moves and like the spirit's still there and it's still a problem and the the problem lingers on and this is just one tale and just this fucking line of stories about this thing and so this short story had the beautiful thing of continuing beyond its pages and it leaves you with that creeping note in the back of your mind and you're just like oh fuck then the family got it too and it's like that's good that's good horror telling right there i like that one quite a bit i did but now see now i'm properly spooked um and i don't want to go to go to bed being properly spooked so i'm just gonna real quick um pull up a a non-spooky short story here. Uh, let's just take a look. See here. Um, let's see. What's something? What's something? Let's do one of these. Let's do. Let's do. Doop 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 boo. I like this one. Yeah, there we go. It's an Aesop fable. It's called the Ass and the Load of Salt. <clears throat> a merchant driving his ass homeward from the seashore with a heavy load of salt came to a river crossed by a shallow ford. They crossed the river many times before without accident, but this time the ass slipped and fell in over halfway. Then the merchant got him at last to his feet. Much of the salt had been melted away. Delighted by how much lighter his burden had become, the ass finished the journey very gaily. The next day, the merchant went off for another load of salt. On his way home, the ass remembered what happened at the fort, purposely let himself fall into the water, and again got rid of most of his burden. The angry merchant immediately turned about, back around and drove the ass back to the seashore, where he, uh, he had loaded him with two great baskets of sponges. At the ford, the ass again tumbled over. When he scrambled to his feet, it was a very disconsolate ass that dragged himself homeward under the load ten times heavier than before. 
The same measures will not suit all circumstances. Is the is the lesson to learn from the ass and his load of salt. There you go. Think about that ass and his salt. And uh, I hope you all have a have a very spooky fucking what is this? Second week of October. <laughs> Let's move on to the next thing of the podcast. I know I'm a little bit behind the eight ball on this one. um, Because anybody who was anybody a couple of years ago already saw this show. And all of those people have told me time and time again that I should watch Westworld. And I'm, I'm sad to say that it has taken me this long to actually watch it. However, I will also say that once I started watching it, it only took two days for me to finish all of season one. I will say this, this next segment is purely on the backbones of that first season. And I'm reminded by something that my brother said, uh, about the season. Um, when, when we were talking about it and that he felt that the first season was, a a tight enough story to stand alone stand alone stand all on its own and not be continued and to that point um he has not seen seasons two or three and um i have another friend who refuses to talk to me about the show until i see all three seasons so on one hand i get it i can i can see the the ending of season one by the way i'm not going to spoil anything i was um, fortunate enough to live this life uh, without anybody telling me l- pretty much anything about the show besides the fact that it was good and it dealt with robotic cowboys. Um, and that was pretty much all I had going in. And that's what I want for any of you listening out there who have not seen the show. It's on HBO Max, you know. It's, there you go. Um, but it's pretty fucking good. It's pretty fucking good. I mean, I would not have sat pretty much all weekend and watched the entire first season um, if it wasn't good. And it's very good. It it has that depth of conversation about the the morality of um, artificial life and playing God and the what what our purpose is and all this stuff and who we are. And how our memories can shape us. It has these really strong conversations about all those topics. And that was something I was craving in um, uh, on a lot of media I've been watching lately. Um, some some media pieces will like acknowledge the difficult conversations. But it never has those conversations. Whether in dialogue between the characters or in showing you the actions of the show. Um, but this one does. And it does a very good job of it. Um, I think it, it tackles those, those heavy conversations and does a pretty good job of, um, just kind of showing you the layers and the facets. Um, I also enjoyed the show's, um, the show's characterization is, is excellent. I was about to, uh, praise the show for something, but since that's kind of amazing about the show, I'm going to shut up about it. Um... I know it's been a couple of years, and anybody who's wanted to see the show has probably seen this show, but I hadn't, so I assume others haven't as well. I really don't want to spoil it. I really feel like the magic of this show comes from the the joy of discovering things as it plays out before you. 
And because of all of its twists and turns, I think the rewatchability of this show is pretty strong. Because once you know where it goes, then you get to play the game of trying to figure out all the all the clues and hints that it drops throughout the show that you didn't see for what it was the first time. Um, I would provide examples, but those would be spoilers. Um, I thought acting-wise, it was excellent. I know many Emmys were won off of the back of this show. I am... I have absolutely no idea where it goes in season two. I, I really don't. Um, there were a lot of really heavy hitters in terms of actors um, who uh, are, are just some of my all-time favorites. I love Anthony Hopkins. There's a lot of characters from Thor in, in this movie. You got Anthony Hopkins and Tessa Thompson... Um, who was in Ragnarok as Valkyrie, and of course uh, Anthony Hopkins is Odin. Ed Harris has always been one of my all-time favorites. Um, I loved him in The Rock, and he does an excellent job here as the Man in Black. Uh, you've got uh, fucking Cyclops, James Marsden, uh, also better known as uh, Captain Don't or as Donut Lord from uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> He's there, um, and he does a pretty good job. And then. Um, like there are there are other characters uh, like the madam of the uh, of the whorehouse who it is just goes on a phenomenal journey, and it's it's really well done and the the special effects are incredible, and it's phew, it really does make you think. I I stopped watching it last night and I was lying in bed for like an hour and a half just kind of staring up at the ceiling thinking about this fucking show and all of its layers. And all of the things that it could and could not do. And the rules of the, the robotics. That's one thing I will say for it. One of my, one of my big fears about the show going in was that it was going to be inconsistent in its rules of roboticism. Because one of the beauty parts of the show is that the hosts are so goddamn lifelike that the, the lines between you know artificial intelligence and, I guess, biological intelligence... Um, are so blurred that you can't you can't determine who is human and who is a host, you know. Um, and they they play with that very consistently. Um, characters that uh, are one thing turn out another, you know, th that sort of thing. Um, but each time that happened or didn't happen or whatever, um, it made sense in the uh, in the, the lore that they had developed. So I was I was very pleased with that because I felt like that was gonna make or break the show, and you could argue because I I tried to argue this earlier um, that because the line is so blurred that you could potentially retcon anybody and be like oh by the way this person the janitor robot the whole time and characters would be like what but there's nothing leading you to think that they were a robot. And I suppose that's kind of the point, because if you thought they were a robot, then the line isn't as blurred. You know what I mean? So it all it all flows together in the in the grander narrative. So it's definitely one of the one of the best shows I've seen in quite some time. Um, the only reason I'm not watching season two right now is because I wanted to record this little bit of uh, of what I thought of it, and I also need to drink water. Um, quite, quite aggressively, because I have been sitting here basically staring at my screen for like three hours, just so I could finish this show, and boy, what a show it is. It's a pretty excellent show, and I'm really curious to see where it goes next, because, um, 
I mean, Dolores was my favorite character pretty much right from the start. Um, I, I will, I will give it a, a bit of a bit of a spoil. It, it, you know, probably goes without saying that these robots eventually kind of gain sentience and over try to overthrow their the human oppressors, as with all artificial intelligence stories. That's where this show goes. It's just kind of just kind of like you know that's what happens. And um, there's a bit in the very first episode when they're talking about how these robots wouldn't hurt a fly, and you do see a fly. Not the same fly, but flies throughout the show. And it is, it's Chekhov's gun, where they, where they set up a host killing the fly in like the first, you know, chunk of the episode. And then the last thing you see in that episode is Dolores killing a fly. And it's like, it's beautifully done. That is, that is storytelling at its finest. And especially when you watch the show for the first time, you are met, you're met with a bunch of characters who you're like, are you a human? Or are you a host? And you ask yourself that question the entire time you're watching the show. Anytime anybody's introduced, you gotta wonder. The, the line is so blurred, might as well not even exist. Who is who? And doesn't even matter if they're human or hosts. And it's these questions that I fucking love. I love these these sorts of philosophical questions. To me, it doesn't matter. Um, human or host. I mean, intelligence is intelligence, um, and in many ways they are superior to their human counterparts uh, with their ability to remember things perfectly. Uh, their their relative immortality, you know, like they are kind of the the ultimate these these androids. So I don't know why they try to aspire to be like us when they could be better. You know, don't be like me, be better. It's a very good show. And I'm looking forward to it continuing to ask these sorts of questions in the second season. Although I do worry that first season, pretty spot on. Can it keep up the momentum? Can it produce at the same quality? Will it tell a story that's nearly half as interesting? I don't know. I'm going to find out though. And I'm going to find out right fucking now. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Thank you all very much for listening to this week's episode of the Going Upcast. I hope you enjoyed my terrible campfire stories. There was one good one. There was one good one in there. Um, and yeah, I thought thought that was pretty good. Next week, I'm going to make it all about Lovecraft. I've been promising Lovecraft for a while now, and I want to read some more Lovecraft. So we're going we're gonna to dive in to one of them. I'm not sure which one. Or maybe a couple of them. If I can find some of the shorter ones, then we'll do that. Otherwise, I might just read like just a Lovecraft book. I think that'd be, that'd be pretty fun. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And I'll see you all next week uh, for another episode and all throughout this week for more uh, chapters of inheritance. Have a good one, everyone.